Amen. So good to see so many of our friends, familiar faces in both services. Um, you, you just don't even know. I can't even really articulate um, how meaningful it is to be here with you and to be back home. This is a second home for us. And um, the years that we were here, the, the brief time that we were here left a mark on us. We were going through a very difficult time in our lives. Um, my daughter, Keisha, as many of you know, was sick and and just so many things were going on. And there were so many Sunday mornings that I sat on that row in tears just before I came up to minister or when Randy and one of his sweaters ministered. Come on, somebody. Um, Randy Remington is the only man in America that can wear a sweater in July um, and make it look good, and it's fine. And he doesn't sweat through it. It's, it's amazing. Uh, but all jokes aside, um, I, I had my daughter Keisha and Seth, would you just stand? This is now the third of their babies that they have with them. And so, super grateful. We got some pictures up there as well. Um, that, that's Coco's joy right there. Um, that on the left side, go back to that picture real quick. Um, and indeed, that's Alara right there, okay. That's Lala on this side. She was the first one. She was the only one we had when we were here. She was born. And that's what created the sort of lupus storm that Keisha went through. And then once we got through that, um, you don't know this, but she needed a kidney transplant and was on dialysis for a season. And all of us tried to get kidneys to her, couldn't. And her husband ended up being the match. Can you? So, so listen to me. So here's what I said to him. I said to Seth, I said, you mean to tell me that the answer to the prayers was laying in the bed with her the whole time? It's ridiculous. And so we're, we're out at the hospital and Seth had just, I mean, they just, he had just come out of recovery and he's laying there and, you know, true to my nature, I didn't know what to say. So I said, hey man, you got a chip in the game now. He was like, what are you talking about, Pop? I said, forever, you got a chip in the game. If she says anything about the dishes or the laundry, all you got to do is lift your shirt up and say, girl, I gave you life. You know what I'm saying? So... Those are the three. That's Lala, that's Nyla, she's the new one, and Zara. They are our joy. And you can just, the next picture I think is of the entire family. Uh, that's Christmas last year. As you can see, they are loving their little sister. And so that's Keith Jr. He got married since the last time you've seen us. We've got an addition. Catherine is a wonderful part of our lives, and they need to be fruitful soon. Are you hearing me? They need to catch up. They need to hurry up. And that's Jocelyn, and she needs to slow down, so that's good. And Seth and Keisha and us, and so that's our family. Man, would you just give the Lord a, a hand clap one more time? That's just so good to us. So, so if you got your Bible, open your Bible to 2 Chronicles chapter 20. If you got a digital platform of some kind. I think, you know, it used to be that we were in church, you could hear pages turning, and I understand the digital age. So however you have it, I still think you ought to have the word in front of you in some form or fashion when we gather. And so... I started thinking about this message actually in, in the devotion time earlier this month uh, as we passed through 2 Chronicles chapter 20. And, and in a church this size or our size on the east side, same relative size of church, you know that there is any number of people in under your voice at that time in those services that are in some type of battle whether it be financially, whether it be spiritually contending for a child or someone in their family to come back to the Lord, somebody's gone astray, whether it be emotionally, there's just things that have gone on or tragedies in the family, 
whether it be, you know, relational issues in a marriage or financial, in some regard, there is a battle that is going on. And, and don't you be surprised at all, and don't you be fooled by the way she got her hair and her eyelashes this morning, and she greeted everybody. Praise the Lord. Glory to God. You'd be surprised how many of the most uh, people in church, we tend to cover ourselves. And how many of you know that when you come to church, this ought to be the place where you can be vulnerable. This ought to be the place where you can just come and somebody say, how you doing? And you look at them and you say, do you really want to know? And they say yes. And I was like, okay, here it comes. And everything sort of comes out and say, like, okay, I don't know what to do about that, but I know who does. This ought to be the place where you can come and not have to fake it. I know you got to hold it together at work because they'll fire you otherwise. I got it. But, but when you come to God's house, say God's house. Okay, so I don't know if you remember, but I'm going to have to update y'all. I'm a black preacher. That means you have to talk to me the whole sermon. So I don't know what goes on any other Sunday, but this Sunday, and I'm going to have to, for those of you that have been here, act like you know who I am. So there's, there's, there's any number. Indeed, lift your hands right now if you say, I am in a battle right now of some type. Lift your hands. Okay, I'm in the right. Now, now, while you got your hand raised, lift, leave it up. I ain't tell you to put it down. Obey the pastor. Now, look around with your hand up. Look around. You are not by yourself. The enemy is a liar. And I've come to tell somebody the battle is not yours. It is the Lord's. This battle is not yours. It is the Lord's. Touch your neighbor and say, it's not your battle. Tell them right now. I want to introduce to some of you a king by the name of Jehoshaphat. And Jehoshaphat is a good king in the nation of Israel, actually in the southern kingdom of Judah, because the nation of Israel at this time is split between two kingdoms, between the north and Israel and the south is Judah. And he is the king of Judah. Now, what you need to know historically is there is one king after another, successive kings come to power in Israel. And you will always read this in the Old Testament, like Second Kings, then whatever the king's name was, it would say, and he did evil in the sight of the Lord, which meant that he, did, he was an idolatry king, did not walk in the ways of David, did not serve the Lord wholeheartedly, allowed for there to be all kinds of pagan worship and false idolatrous worship in the nation of Israel. And, and every now and then you get a halfway decent king where he would bring some, re, some reforms and he would bring some bit of spiritual vitality back to the nation of Israel, but then it would say these words, but he left the high places in place. In other words, what, what would happen is, is on some of the high places there would be these shrines that they would go to worship. And so what he would have is, is a little, it would be like us with a little Christianity with a little something else on there as well. But how many of you know that God is after wholehearted devotion to him? Amen. And so one of the things, let me just give you this for free. For those of you that know me, you know what I'm talking about. This is not in my notes, but it is, it is germane to the point that there is something about you and I that we must respond to the conviction of the Holy Spirit and not compromise and, and settle on certain things. When God puts his finger on sin in your life, you should go after it like a heat-seeking missile and, and believing the Holy Spirit to empower you to overthrow it. Come on, somebody. That anything you leave, anything you minimize, anything you make excuses for, well, God knows my heart. Yeah, God does know your heart. 
He knows when it's wholeheartedly devoted to him. He knows when you're seeking him and when you're not. He knows when there's a double-minded approach to him. And so we, in, in our lives, let's do like Jehoshaphat did, which was he overthrew the high places, and the Bible calls him a righteous king. Indeed, if you go back to chapter 17, it says these things about him in that chapter. It says, now the Lord was with Jehoshaphat because he walked in the former ways of his father David, which was one of the greatest kings in the history of Israel, a man after God's heart who Jesus comes out of his lineage. Amen? And so he says, you walked in, walked in the former ways of his father David. He did not seek the Baals, but sought the God of his father and walked in his commandments and not according to the acts of Israel, the northern kingdom. Verse 6 says this, and his heart took the light in the ways of the Lord. Moreover, he removed the high places and the wooden images from Judah. Verse 12 and 13 says it this way. It says, so Jehoshaphat became increasingly powerful and he built fortresses and storage cities in Judah. He had much property in the cities of Judah and the men of war, mighty men of valor were in Jerusalem. So all that to say, how many of you recognize that as leadership goes, so do the people? And so this is a righteous king who establishes order and begins to move things and things are prosperous. He creates these fortified cities or storage cities as occupied places. Places. In the Marine Corps, we would call them like pre-positioned supply points. In other words, all over this, all over the country, because of the Northern Kingdom and their incursions down, he would establish little outposts, and they were well supplied, and he and he prospered. How I many you know you ought to prosper? The things that that in your life ought to be able to prosper. I'm not saying you're going to be rich, but when you follow God and obey God and walk with Him and worship Him and serve Him, there should be prosperity in your life. Amen. That there should be goodness coming out of your life. You should have a enough blessing in your life that you can bless somebody else. Amen? That, that as we pass through the world, you don't privatize your faith. And so Jehoshaphat was one of these people. He just, God blessed him and he was able to shine. And then it happened. How many of you, how many ever been going along in your life, walking with the Lord, serving God, everything seemed to be going good. You come to church on Sunday morning, you stop at Starbucks and get your little mocha latte, latte, latte. Come on. And, and you come to church and you greeting everybody. You don't even have one of the little lanyards. And you're like, hi y'all, how you doing? Praise the Lord. And they start worshiping God and you on your road making all kinds of noise off key. Come on somebody. And, and it's okay, it's all good. Make a joyful noise unto the Lord, right? And then all of a sudden, something in your life all of a sudden seems like all hell breaks loose. And before you know it, all of that joy, all of that confidence seems to have been sapped. And all of a sudden, it feels like you've been surrounded by an enemy. Seems like everywhere you turn, it's relational, it's financial, it's in my health. My kids are crazy. My husband's crazy. The White House is crazy. Everybody's crazy all of a sudden. You feel like you're surrounded. This is what happened to Jehoshaphat. And I want to spend some time to look at his response because Jesus promised you that in this world, you would have tribulation. Nobody said amen to that. It's like, I thought you came to bring good news. That ain't good news. That's like a bad country song. I got it. Listen, but, but in this, Jesus said, in this world, you will have tribulation, but take courage. Be a Capture the, that, that, in, that discouragement that would come because Jesus said, I've overcome this world. So ultimately, you and I are going to overcome. Did you know, I read the end of the book, not even death can hold you, that you're going to be with him eternally, that death has no victory over you. Come on, give the Lord a hand clap right now. <laughs> but, 
but we all get hit from time to time. And some of you, almost 80% of you just raised your hand and said you're in some kind of battle or the other. Got you. So then how do we respond and what does the word of God have to say to us today about the struggle or the enemies that have arrayed themselves around your life? Watch this. In verse 1 of chapter 20, it says this in 2 Chronicles. It happened after this that the people of Moab and the people of Ammon and others with them beside the Ammonites came to battle against Jehoshaphat. Then some came and told Jehoshaphat saying, a great multitude is coming against you from beyond the sea and from Syria and they are in the En Gedi. And Jehoshaphat feared, stop for a minute. That's something I want to camp out on just for a moment of time because I want you to know as a military, any military guys here, any veterans here, raise your hands, men or women, thank you for your service. Come on, give them a hand clap. You will know as I know, there is not one soldier, male or female, that ever engaged the enemy anywhere with bullets flying back at them and bombs dropping off, that they weren't absolutely afraid. Fear is not the absence of courage, nor is it some kind of disqualifying mark of your faith. Everybody is going to get hit from time to time and get your equilibrium knocked off. Something is going to come into your life. Some report is going to come. You're going to get a doctor's report. And, and by the way, any medical professionals here, I just want to, I got a bone to pick with you. It's a small bone, but here's what I like to say. When I go to get my blood tested and you find something abnormal, it is not right for me to wait two weeks for you to read the report. And I got to come into the office to get you to do it. No, when I call you, you're on the phone. It's me. I can authenticate that it's me. Please tell me so I don't spend three weeks in anxiety to find out, oh, it was just an error on the, on the blood test. Sorry, that was just my little rant. I'm going to find something you like. I love all the RNs and nurses. Do not email me. Email Lesler. Lesler at B4. A great multitude is coming against you. Mm -hmm. And the Bible said Jehoshaphat feared and set himself to seek the Lord and proclaimed a fast throughout all Judah. So Judah gathered together to ask help from the Lord and from all the cities of Judah, they came to seek the Lord. Now it's imperative that you understand that Bible characters are not these mythical characters that don't, are not subject to the same emotions and feelings and different things and experiences that we all go through. He legitimately feared like you and I would. The first time something happens, the business is going out. We might have to declare bankruptcy. We're gonna lose the house. Our kids are sick. Whatever the report is, it is like an enemy, a multitude has arrayed itself against you. And in these moments, it's important that you understand how to respond. And here's what happens. Sometimes these are like tests when the money runs out. I'm not, so it's funny to me when I hear people talk about they don't have any money. What they really mean is they got to move this stock around and do that and they can get some money. When I was growing up in Baltimore, on the east side of Baltimore, when we said we were broke, that meant we didn't have no options. That's what poverty really is. If you can move something around, sell something, you're not broke. Come on, somebody. That's not real broke. I'm talking about broke, broke. You know what I'm talking about? Y'all funny, stop. And so it is in these moments that what you have believed is authenticated. And so I know you can sing when everything is going well. I know you can come in here and you know what time to come to church and you sit on your row and you got all your stuff. I got you. That's not the moment yet. The devil's coming, but it ain't that moment. There's a moment that's going to authenticate what you really believe when you suffer, 
when you go through pain and trauma, when there's no one there. How many of you know people will suffer with you for a week? People might suffer with you for two weeks, but don't you suffer too long. Don't you be sick too long because all of those calls and the food that was coming will dry up at a certain point because people can't endure that long. Don't get mad at them. They're just human. Come on, somebody. Only God said he would never leave and never forsake. People got lives. They got stuff they're going through, and they can't always be there for you. Sometimes you're going to call that friend, and you're going to get voicemail. What do you do when the enemy is arrayed against you? What's your first response? So I know some people immediately start posting about it. Social media, they got to get, they got to let the world know. Social media, I got you, you know, so that's, that's one way. It's not my way, but that's one way. There's a multitude. So, so then you can turn inward and begin to look at your own strength and your own resources. But how many ever faced an enemy that looking inside was like, oh, ain't nothing there for this. I don't have enough strength. I don't have enough resource. I don't have enough energy. I don't have enough anything. And that can lead you into guilt, condemnation, and shame. It's like, well, maybe I should, and maybe my faith should be stronger. And all of a sudden, the enemy starts beating you, you over the head because you don't have enough faith for an area. How many of you know that you don't always have to have enough faith? Oh, look at you. Y'all don't know? How many of you remember the man that was actually carried and brought before Jesus and got a miracle as they ripped the roof off and carried him down? Jesus didn't say it's because of his faith that he got healed. He said it was because of the faith of those four who carried him in. Sometimes you got to live in community and your community has faith for you in that season to bring you through. Some of you live too isolated because after a while the enemy is going to come and he's going to try you and you're going to be by yourself with no one to lean on. Now's the season to get into community. Now's the time. It's summertime. Come on, somebody. Now's the time to get a barbecue, hang out, let the kids go crazy, build friends, because winter is coming. Winter is coming. And when I say winter, I mean some adversity is coming. Or you can look outward. And some people are good at looking outward. They blame the world. How many, how many ever had somebody that whenever they're in the room, the problem's not in the room? The problem is somewhere else. It's this person. It's, it's black people. It's white people. It's the woke people. It's the liberals. It's the conservatives. I'm just trying to test the water to see where y'all at right now. Let me, Because I haven't been here in a while, so I just, I just needed to see where, where y'all were. But it's always somewhere else. It's the White House. It's CNN. It's Fox. It's, it's this person. It's the governor. And they look outward to blame somebody. But, but in this moment, there's something about Jehoshaphat that immediately we see what he has practiced over time. Because immediately under duress, it comes, it is authenticated. He is immediately sets his heart to seek the Lord. Immediately he looks upward. And, and this reminds me of some of the dumb stuff we did as Marines. And so we would have to throw dummy grenades because Marines are dumb. Come on, somebody. Because that, that's what it is. Because they, they had you do it so many times so that you would remember to pull the pin and actually throw the grenade at some point. But, but really what they were doing was training you for combat. They were training you so that when duress came and bullets were flying and your comrades were, were dying to the left and to the right of you, or mortally wounded, that you would continue to keep engaging the enemy so that you could win the battle. Are you hearing me? Well, it's imperative that what you practice when nothing is going on, when nothing seems to be wrong and everything seems to be good, are you spiritually disciplined and you keep getting devotions and you keep getting up praying and you're worshiping God whether Jamie sings your song or not? Like you got a song, because just so you know, I hope you have a song in your own heart that these songs that, wait, 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 because these songs she's singing, you might need to sing them when she's not around in the ICU room, like I had to do. 
You might, you might need to know Maverick City yourself. I know you got the CD and the stream, I got you. But you better put that song in your own heart and you better have a word of God in your own heart because at some point, you're gonna be tested. You're gonna get a test. There's a battle that's coming. And only what you actually believe and practice will be authenticated in that moment. Touch your name and say, we practice in the day. Tell them right now. <laughs> so, so then, it said, the, it said this in Psalms 20, some trust in chariots and some in horses, but we trust in the name of the Lord. I don't know what some part of you are. I don't know what some you are. You, those that trust in external things to help you, or do you trust in the name of the Lord? You know what's good about traveling overseas and going to Africa and different places in the world is because they don't have all the resources that you and I have. See, when you don't have money, you can go down to some place called the social services office and you can get a check and it'll come in the mail and you can actually buy food. You know, there are places in the world that if, it, if they can't make money, they can't eat. And so there, in, in those countries, when you say we trust in the name of the Lord, it carries, it hits a little different. You know what I'm saying? Because there are no social services. There are no resources other than you better hope God comes through. And you know what? God does indeed come through. How many of you found God to be faithful? Come on, give the Lord a hand clap this morning. I always say it this way. God is always faithful. He's always on time, but he just misses a lot of good opportunities to be early. I wish he'd come early just once, amen? And so he immediately turns to the Lord. Do you know that you've been invited as a child of God to bring all of your cares, all your anxieties, and bring them before the Lord. First Peter 5 and 7 says, cast your cares or your anxieties on the Lord, for he cares for you. There is, some, there is a privileged place and privileged position that you and I have as children of God that you get to run into your dad and say, Father, in the name of Jesus, I've got this, that, and the third. This is ailing me. This is, and it becomes, as I say to our church all the time, it becomes a place of exchange. When I go to prayer, I go in with anxiety. I come back out with peace. I come in with depression and discouragement. I come back out with joy. When I go to God, there's a place of exchange in my prayer. His peace for my confusion and anxiety. Do you know that when you pray, it may not change the circumstance, but it definitely changes you. Come on. Come on. That's why they said in the song, I sought the Lord and he heard me and he answered me and he freed me from my fears. Doesn't say he took the thing away that created the fear. Doesn't say that. Says that in the midst of it, I can be courageous I can be comforted. I can, listen, I can be assured. I don't know when this battle is going to turn. I don't know how he's going to do it. I don't know when he's going to do it. I don't know who he's going to use. I don't know how he's going to do it. Because some of you go to God in prayer and you try to inform him how to deliver you. He's like, yeah, I need you to do it on Tuesday. I need you to do it this way. And I've been, I've been waiting. I'm single and I need him to be six foot five. And Oh, I know, not here in the east, on the east side. There are no single ladies here telling God how to deliver a man. To them. Hmm. Jehoshaphat teaches me because he immediately goes into the Lord. And, and not only does he go in, he immediately steadies himself and calls a fast throughout Judah. 
And so the whole nation now is fasting, one accord. They're all, did you notice, all of Judah is seeking the Lord for help. There's no strife, there's no division, there's no separate narratives. They're all seeking God together in oneness, making one sound. In the Greek, that is sufophonio, to make one sound. Do you realize that you in that battle need to make sure that you arm your family against strife? Your wife comes in and it's a financial struggle. She went to Target and spent $10 more than she was supposed to. Now we're arguing. And the devil says, I like that. Because where there's strife, every evil work is present. So now I can start unloading some other things as they continue to have strife and arguments and bitterness. Come on, somebody. Just keep looking straight ahead. If it's you, nobody even know I'm talking to you. Just keep looking straight ahead. Just look. Praise the Lord. Just keep... But, but how many of you recognize that you need to train your entire family this way? The children need to come and pray. That age-appropriate information. I can remember when our kids were little, we tell Jocelyn and Keisha different things that were going on. And at night when we go in to pray with them, they would be like, Dad, uh, Lord, just bless Mommy and Daddy because they're going through something. And, and we just trust in you, Lord. They were little. But, but, but here's what's funny about that. How many of you know that more is caught than is taught by your kids? Oh, y'all not talking to me. I, I said, more is caught than taught, meaning they watch what you do. It, it, was a, it was a couple months ago at our prayer meeting. We used to have prayer meeting at our church growing up on Friday nights. How many know we got smarter and stopped doing that? Come on, somebody. <laughs> prayer meetings on Wednesday nights. That's the Lord right there. But, but a couple months ago, we were in prayer, and I saw Keisha do exactly like her mother had done with her. She brought all three of the babies in, in, in their pajamas, laid a blanket out on the floor, and let them play while we were in prayer and worship. And I started watching the baby Zara, especially my middle one. She just lifting her hands, and she was doing like lifting her hands like everybody else, and she'd look around, <laughs> and she'd lift her hands, and she'd like mumble, and just look around. I was like, mm, that, what a wonderful thing to mimic. Because it won't be long till what they, they live off of what they mimic. And, and training your family in moments of crisis is important. Don't rob your children of the opportunity to grow in their faith and to see God deliver and celebrate with your family. Raise them up, bring everybody together like Jehoshaphat did. Notice he steadied himself first by going into the Lord. Then he says, okay, here's what we're doing. We've got to fast and pray and seek God for help. Come on. Touch your neighbors. Let's seek God. Tell them right now. Tell somebody. Let's seek God. No kingdom no city and no house divided against itself can ever stand. So when you go through, that's the, that's the enemy's opportunity. He's banking on the fact that you guys won't stay in agreement. He's banking on the fact that you as a single mom or single dad or you a grandmother, that you won't, you won't tell anybody your problems. How many of you know that sometimes you have problems that are too big for just your prayer life? That you're going to need some other people to pray with you. You're going to need to have lived in community so you can call somebody and say, I don't know how we're going to get out of this. This has happened. Will you pray? And they do more than talk about praying. Come on, somebody. That, like they literally, how many of you got some friends that you know if you call them, they're going to, they, listen, they're going to be like the hounds of heaven going against hell on your behalf. They're going to pray. I thank God for my praying grandmother. I am standing doing this right now because my grandmother saw a backslidden prodigal son that needed to come home to the Lord and she would not let the devil go until he let me go. Come on, somebody. Come on. And so in that agreement comes instructions. Like the Lord began to speak and tell the king how he was going to get this victory. 
Listen to verse 15 in, in chapter 20. It says, listen, all of Judah and you inhabitants of Jerusalem and you, King Jehoshaphat, thus says the Lord to you, do not be afraid nor be dismayed because of this great multitude for the battle is not yours, but it's God's. Now, now this is important that you understand that each battle has a specific battle strategy. You can't do the same things that you did the last time in presumption. You've got to go to the Lord and get specific instructions from God. Some of you that don't have a daily discipline of getting in the words, you need to develop that right now. That there's reading schedules and plans and all these things that get you in the word on a consistent basis so that when the Lord says, hey, I got some instructions for you, you're in the word, your, prox your proximity and posture to receive the word of the Lord. You need more than your crazy cousin's advice <laughs> that doesn't even serve God. How are you going to take advice on your marriage from somebody that's been divorced three times? They can tell you how not to do it but you probably figured that part out. So, so then where do I go to get instructions? You go to the Lord. David, there was this phrase in David's life when, when, when things were going really well for King David. There, there's this phrase that you'll read in the Old Testament. It would say, and David inquired of the Lord. David always, he would be facing an enemy or facing an opposition and he would inquire of the Lord to get the Lord's instruction. What is the Lord saying? In this particular case, the Lord said, hey, this battle is not yours, it's mine. Now for most of us, that's a phew, thank God you're gonna fight, Lord. But for some people in here, that, that instruction is difficult to hear and difficult to follow because if you're in a situation where you've never been able to count on anybody to be there for you and nobody's ever fought for you and you had to scrap and fight every bit from you, I mean, it's kind of like the color purple. How many remember Oprah Winfrey in the color purple when she said, all's my life I had to fight. And what she is saying is, I had to fight off abuse from the time I was a little girl in my house. And there's got to be something about those people that struggle to trust and entrust themselves to God. How's he going to fight for me? My dad never did. How's he going to fight for me when my mom never did? Nobody was ever there. Nobody ever kept their word. And all of a sudden, now I'm supposed to trust God to keep his word. Yes. Yes. Because he's faithful. Turn to your neighbor and say, God's faithful. Tell him right now. Tell him right now, turn to somebody that, that, that's not looking at me and tell him he's faithful. So, so at some point, you've got to look back over your shoulder the way David did confronting Goliath. You gotta look back over your shoulder and see the past deliverances, the past healings, when you thought the last time you didn't know how you would get through. David said, I killed a lion and I've killed a bear and this uncircumcised Philistine is gonna be just like one of them in my hands. What is he saying? God delivered the bear and the lion to me in the past and the same God that did it then is gonna do it now, come on. And that's how you encourage yourself. Give the Lord a big hand clap, come on. God will give you some crazy instructions, though. How many ever had God tell you something? You said, this got to be, this is crazy. This can't be God. <laughs> Joshua, in the book of Joshua, chapter 6, he is confronting a city by the name, or a walled city by the name of Jericho. And uh, God gives him instructions about how to deliver. He's going to win this battle and get this city delivered to him. But it's unorthodox. He says, hey, here's what I want you to do. I want you to tell the people to be quiet because they murmur and complain too much. So just be quiet. For six days, walk around the city once a day, and that's it. And on the seventh day, I want you to walk around that city seven times, blow the trumpet and shout for God is giving you the city, and the walls are going to come down. I just want you to know, as a military guy, that makes no sense. 
And furthermore, what God is asking Jehoshaphat to do, which is put all of the praisers, all of the trumpet players, put all the praise dancers, all of those people in church that like to shout, put them all in the front of the army, which makes no sense to me. But that's God. And every now and then, God's going to ask you to do something that you can't run by your friends and your intellect can't wrap its mind around. And you're going to have to either choose to obey God or to keep getting what you already got. But there's going to be some opportunities for you to waver. And I'm here to tell you that God is faithful and he sent me here to tell you this battle is not yours, it's his. So then what do I do, God? Well, I don't know. Let's see what he told them to do. He says, he says you will not need to fight this battle, verse 17. Position yourselves. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord who is with you, O Judah and Jerusalem. Do not fear or be dismayed. Tomorrow go out against them, for the Lord is with you. And Jehoshaphat bowed his head with his face to the ground, and all Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem bowed before the Lord, worshiping the Lord. Now, I don't know about you, but every now and then, you know, you come to church and everybody's got this little cute praise. You know what I'm talking about? Cute praise is when you come to church and you're just like, praise the Lord, praise the Lord. I'm not judging your praise if that's you. And then you got some people that praise the Lord in church. They got their hands in their pockets and they're just kind of hanging out, looking at their watch because, you know, they're waiting for the good part of the service and never realizing that the good part is when you get to praise God. Come on, somebody. That, that the very breath in your body was given to you by God that you might want to use some of it to praise him with. Just saying. Amen. And, and, and then just while I'm on that tangent, let me just say it's ridiculous to me that you can come to church and be silent and can't move, but I can take you out to the Timbers Stadium and you ask an absolute nut or don't don't let don't let the way wait I ain't done yet don't let the beavers or the ducks play and all of a sudden some of you paint yourself orange for the beavers you know they're gonna lose I mean that's how you split a church right there but come on the audacity of you to come in here and during praise and worship you can't sing you can't lift your hands even half mass. You're, you're, I know, you're introverted. Has nothing to do with your ethnicity. Well, Latinos are this and Asians are that. Has nothing to do with that. It has something to do with revelation. Do you recognize who God is? Because if you recognize who he is, it doesn't matter what your Enneagram number is. When you recognize who, and, and by the way, let an enemy come that you can't get over. All of a sudden, the person that's never bowed their knee will be on their knees worshiping God, saying, oh, God, if you don't, I don't know what will happen. I don't know what's going to happen. You, you, listen, so I'm standing here having all of these flashbacks while I'm preaching this message to you because I can remember being at OHSU at midnight singing while my daughter is crying in pain with her body wracked with lupus pain and inflammation, and they can't make it stop. And a dad is supposed to handle that. And I have no ability but God. I said, but God. So what did we do? What did we do? We sang at night with tears streaming down. I, I knelt by her bed, pleading with God, crying out in worship. And some of you, some of you, when's the last time something drove you to your knees to worship? Not, not, not the cute prayer. I'm talking about when you were crying out to God, saying, God, I lift my hands to no other. I will worship no other. Thank you for doctors. Thank you for the report. Thank you for their education. Thank you for the treatment plan. But if you don't come through, when's the last time you had a prayer like that? 
When's the last time you worshiped God with tears streaming down and said, God, you're good even if she dies? Even if she dies, she good. You're good. My grandmother died in my arms. Breathed her last breath with Cocoa and I holding on to her. I'll never forget it because for two years after that, I didn't pray for anybody that was sick. I, it literally, people would come to an altar, we'd have them pray, and I'd say, Coco, you pray. I'd get different ones to pray. I wouldn't pray. I'm in the pulpit preaching every week. And the Lord finally came to me in devotions, and he said, hey, you're mad at me. And I couldn't lie to God. I was in Starbucks when I did it. I had a hood on. I put my hood on because I knew it was going to be an ugly cry. I mean, you know what an ugly cry is. <laughs> I put my hood on, I put my head down, and I said, I am mad at you. He said, I didn't answer the prayer you prayed because I wanted to give her something better. She'll never be sick again. She'll never need chemotherapy or any surgeries of any kind because she's in my presence. I exceeded what you asked me for. My wisdom is far above yours. And I gave you way more than you asked for with your grandmother. And I just wept at the beauty of the wisdom of God. And, the, and literally, the, literally the ridiculous childlike perspective that I have versus his. How many of you know that God is a good God? Wait, stop, stop, stop. How many of you know that God is a good God whether your circumstances say it or not? Now, come on, give the Lord a hand clap right now. So this was the victory that praise and worship got for the nation, for the kingdom of Judah. And I wonder if you're here today, some part of this message impacted you. And beyond my antics and attempts at humor, you heard the voice of the Lord. And you say, I'm in a battle right now. And I'm not going to do the whole Christian thing, close your eyes, bow your head so nobody sees. I don't care what nobody thinks, and I hope you don't. But you're in a battle, and I want to pray for you before I leave. If that's you, stand to your feet all over the place. Don't worry about nobody else on your road. Stand up. Now, if you look around this room, Alex and I, in the first service, same thing. Almost 85% of the church is in some battle or another. Here's what I want you to do. This battle, prophetically, is not yours. This is the Lord's. This is why he sent me here with this message for you today. I had another message. In fact, I preached a similar message to this last Sunday in my church. God seems to want to interrupt me. I have really good messages I want to preach. The nerve of God in his church. Would you close your eyes before the Lord? And would you just hold your arms out before him? Just take your hands off of all of it. Your opinions on how you would get delivered, how God would do it. And let's just seek the Lord together.
while you're standing there, worship now in the face of it. Worship right now. the battle's not yours it's the Lord but each individual house the Lord wants to speak specific instructions as to how you're to engage and how you're to move so in the next few moments just seek the Lord right now quietly Lord speak stuff going through your mind so the only time he can get your attention undivided is he got to wake you up in the middle of the night you should start getting up with your bible and a notebook and something to write with he'll put you back to sleep or he'll give you rest some other time but you better start getting up and sitting with the lord because he's giving you instructions some of you he's giving you plans who is it that you're looking for direction you're it's a trial but you're looking for direction where do i go lift your hands right now yeah, 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 yeah. Lift both hands. Yeah, that's a preacher trick. <laughs> so, Lord, disturb them until they get the answers. Don't let them rest. Don't let them engage casually. We're not Netflix. We're not streaming and scrolling endlessly. Maybe you ought to start fasting and praying and writing and sitting before the Lord. And, Lord, I just pray that you speak. 
reveal your plans to them. Who's got a relational challenge? Lift your hands. Relationships. That's painful. Put your hand down for a second. Who's got a relationship challenge that's painful? Yeah. Lift both hands. If you're standing next to somebody with both hands raised, just put your hand on their shoulder gently. Don't go all Pentecostal, just speaking in tongues and crazy stuff. Just put your hand on their shoulder. Lord, in Jesus' name, for these that are acutely afflicted, would you bless? In just the same way that the comforting hand of a friend in this community of faith is on their shoulder, would you just let them feel the warmth of your presence as an extension of your love their hands are? You're with them, never leave, never forsake. You're, you foresaw where they are today and you have a plan and a purpose. And we may not see it well until in hindsight after we get through, but you're faithful. You're gonna bring them through in Jesus' name. And everyone said? You said what? Come on, Alex, give the Lord a big hand clap this morning. Come on, like you mean it. sweaty hug no. <laughs> hey listen two things for you on your way out today one is if the Lord said something to you and you're like I don't even know if it was him it's a word a sentence a phrase write it down you will quickly and easily forget what God has done in this moment and don't forget it hang on to it hold on to it if you need prayer for anything we'll have some elders and pastors that are right down here in front after the service and they would love to pray over you I'd like to pray a blessing over you if you'd like to receive it simply open your hands may you church be a people who run into the arms of God when you are afraid May you be a people who run into the arms of the community of faith when you need help. And may you be a people who hear the word of the Lord and have the courage to do what he says in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Love you guys. You have a great rest of your Sunday and a great week.